Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ArdenFBC.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Welcome to our Good Friday service. Uh, We want to welcome you here. I'm Timothy. I'm one of the pastors. If you've never been to a Good Friday service, it's a little different than our typical service it's a time of reflection and contemplation. So give you a little preview. We're going to have a chance to meditate on the Lord's death and thinking about why we call it Good Friday. We're going to have a chance. If you'll notice, there's crosses down below at the, the end of my message. We're going to have a chance to nail any sin or struggle to represent that Jesus took all of your sin to his cross that Good Friday. And at the end of the service, we'll have a chance to partake in the Lord's Supper. I just want to welcome you and ask you to prepare your heart. So if you will, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we're reminded almost 2,000 years ago that Jesus came. He lived the perfect life that we could not live. And then after about 33 and a half years... He died a sacrificial death, an atonement in our place and instead of us. We should have died on that cross, but Jesus died in our place. So, Father, as we talk about this Good Friday, I know that we're from all different backgrounds. Some are fully devoted followers of you and some are seekers and some are here because they got invited by a guest. I pray that. This day, they would leave not just inspired, but they would leave transformed. So, Father, we pray your blessing will be upon your word. And we give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So on this Good Friday, I want to present a little different meditation for the Good Friday service. Have you ever felt like you were following Jesus, but you were following him at a distance? Has there ever been a time where you felt closer to God than you currently are? If you're there, you can relate to this message. So we're going to look at the cross from Peter's perspective. See, Peter was a follower of Jesus, but he found himself in the last days of Jesus' life. He found himself following Jesus at a distance. So we're going to be reading from Luke's gospel If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 22. It says, having arrested him. This is verse 54 of Luke 22. They led Jesus and brought him to the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him sat by the fire, looked intently at Peter and said, this man was also with him. But Peter denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. Peter said, man, I am not. 
Then after about a half, about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're saying. Immediately, while Peter was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to them, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. So today's Good Friday reflection is how do you know if you're following Jesus from a distance? And I want to give you four clues that maybe you may be following at a distance and then a wake up call. I can remember back in in my life, there's different seasons where I struggled my walk with God. I I remember as a teenager, I was um, probably around the age of like 13, 14. And I remember skipping church one Sunday and I'm like, it feels pretty bad. But hey, good TV shows on Sunday morning, right? Best sports shows. And second week, I had the sniffle. So, Mom, I can't, I can't go to church. I'm a little sick. <laughs> and uh, two weeks turned into three weeks. And by the fourth week, I felt what the, the old timers called Holy Ghost conviction. I mean, I felt the Holy Spirit convicting me. And I knew, I knew that I was backslidden. I knew that I wasn't following Jesus closely. And at that moment, I had a wake-up call. And then I got back up the next week and I'm like, I'm going to get back right with God. And if you've ever had a a story like that or a season like that, you can relate to Peter. I can relate. There's times in our Christian journeys where we're not as close to God as we once were. So today I want to give you four clues. The first clue that you may be at a distant following Jesus is you once followed Jesus closely, but now you're watching from a distance. So I want you to picture Peter. He's seeing Jesus arrested. He's seeing Jesus in verse 54 brought to the high priest's house. And it says, but Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Now, if you back up a few hours earlier, a few moments earlier, you find another scene in the Bible in the Passion Week where the disciples are praying. And Jesus asks Peter and who are the other two? James and John to stay awake for one hour. And then Jesus gives this reason why he says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he said, Peter, James and John stay and watch with me one hour. So he did this for three times. And every time Jesus came back after praying for an hour, what was Peter doing? He was sleeping. So one reason Peter was following at a distance it was he was operating in his human flesh instead of in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy in this Christian journey. You're following Jesus. You're following the cross. You're picking up the cross daily. But, you know, it's so easy just to get in the flesh. It's so easy just to be like, you know, Jesus, I, I think I'm going to skip out on you today. You know, I, I think I'm not going to spend time with you today. And we just get busy. So Peter followed him at a distance. And I often wondered that Peter fell asleep how many times? Three times. And how many times did he deny Jesus? Have you ever wondered if he would have stayed awake those three times he could have averted denying Jesus? 
Of course, Jesus in his foreknowledge knew Peter would deny him. He predicted it. But the reason why Jesus told Peter to stay awake is so he could avoid temptation. So I would propose to you today, Jesus knew that Peter would fall asleep and would deny him. But if Peter would have stayed awake, he could have averted those denials. The second clue that you may be following Jesus at a distance is you were once filled with fire and you were sharing with those without. But now you're sitting quietly by the fire. And I want you to notice the play on words in verse 55. It says when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down, Peter sat down among them. So I want you to picture Peter. He's in the courtyard there. He's warming himself by the fire. But I want you to see the metaphor. Peter was the guy that was fiery. I mean, this guy would just preach. This guy would he was ready to charge hell with a water pistol, so to speak. But because he wasn't operating in the spirit, now he's sitting by the fires of the world and he's warming himself. He's having conversations instead of being close to Jesus. He's now hanging out with the crowd. You ever been there like you were with Jesus, but now you're with the crowd. You were in the word, but now you find yourself in the world and you find yourself not as close to God as you once were. The truth is we're going to be warmed by the fire, but it depends. It depends on which one is it the fire of the word of God or is it the fires of the world? So you see Peter warming himself by this fire on this cold night right before Jesus crucifixion. The third clue is you once were bold when you told others about Jesus. You once were very bold. But now you find yourself trying to hide that you even know Jesus. In verses 56 and following, you see this servant girl. As Peter's warming himself by the fire, she says, hey, don't, aren't you one of them? And he says, I don't know him. And just hours before, Peter had told Jesus, if you remember, he said, Jesus is like, you know, this is like a day or so before. He's like, hey, I'm going to die. And Peter's like, listen, though all turn against you, I will die for you. And, and Jesus is like, will you? He says, you are going to die, deny me three times just in a matter of hours on this Passion Week. And here's the thing about it. If you're not careful, you can go from being bold about Jesus to now you're denying Jesus. And I want you to think about this Good Friday meditation for Jesus. It's one thing to be betrayed by Judas, right? Judas was, Jesus said he was a devil from the beginning. I mean, this guy was not a good guy from the beginning. A lot of people debate about Judas, but I would, I would propose to you he was never truly saved. He never truly fully surrendered his life to Jesus because he's like, have I not chosen 12 of you? And one of you is a devil. A devil is not saved. So Judas was never saved. But Peter, on the other hand, I could see being denied by Judas but if you were Jesus, Jesus is 100% human, 100% God. He's the God man. How would it feel to be denied by one of your best friends? It hurts to be denied by a traitor, Judas. But how does it feel to be denied by someone that just hours before, days before, had sworn their allegiance and now they're saying, I don't know him. Another parallel gospel that's a little more hard on Peter. It says that he even cursed and swore with an oath. I don't know him, right? Luke makes it a little G-rated, but other gospels, like Peter actually cursed and said, I don't know. So here's the thing. 
If you're not careful, the boldness that's inside of your soul can grow weak. The fire can eventually begin to die out. And I'm reminded of Jesus talking to the church at Revelation, to the church at Ephesus, one of the churches. He says, you have lost your first love. And if you've lost your first love, remember, repent and return. Remember how it was to be in love with Jesus and loving him with your life. Repent, go back, return to him, return back to your first love. The third clue is you, you were bold, but now you're not. Now we go into the fourth clue. How do I know if I'm not as close to Jesus as I once were? You once fessed up when you messed up, but now you keep telling yourself the same old lies. So Peter, after he denied Jesus once, it would be nice if the story stopped there, right? But what did Peter do? One lie led to another lie led to another lie. And have you ever noticed that when you tell one lie, you have to tell another lie to get out of the lie? And Peter, like once he denied Jesus once, where was he to go? I mean, we'd say he could have repented right then. Yes, but he was following Jesus from a distance. So if you're not as close to Jesus as you once were, here's something you've got to realize. Whenever you mess up, you what? You fess up. That's what I tell my kids. It's a repentance and Good Friday service is all about repentance. So for the person here that doesn't know Jesus, it's going to the cross for the first time and saying, I've never really received what Jesus did. Yes, I believe in God, but the Bible says even the demons believe and they shudder. But that doesn't save you. It's not head knowledge. It's receiving with all of your being what Jesus did. That's what belief is. It's receiving, not just the intellectual assent. But I, I believe, so I receive it with all that I've got. So as Jesus was getting ready to die for Peter, Peter was denying the one that was getting ready to die for him. Think about the contrast. Jesus was getting ready to die for him, and Peter was denying he even knew him. And then you have the wake-up call. The wake-up call is for all of us. If you're a true believer and you're at a distance you can't stay at a distance for long. You can't stay backslidden for long. And the reason why is God loves you too much to keep you that far away. He's going to go after you. So here's the wake-up call. God in His grace will give you a wake-up call to turn you back. Notice what happens in verse 61. Immediately while he was speaking, Peter's saying, I don't know him. What happened? The rooster crows. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. I find it interesting that it took a cocky male bird to wake up a cocky male believer. Why a rooster? Well, a rooster's cocky and strut, strutting around, just like Peter. God knows how to speak your language. He can speak through a still, small voice. Or you can also speak through a rousing, rambling rooster. So the rooster crows. And all of a sudden, Peter wakes up. While Peter was listening, he saw Jesus look at him. Now, I want you to think about the look of Jesus. I don't think it was a look of condemnation. I don't think it was a look of how dare you. It was a gaze of grace. Peter saw the love of Jesus. Keep in mind, Jesus is getting ready to die for Peter. So there'd be no condemnation. 
Romans 8, 1 says, if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. What that means is if you've ever truly placed your faith in Christ, all of your sins were taken out on the on, on the cross. So the wrath of God is never to be poured out on any believer, because if you accepted what Jesus did on the cross, the payment is finished. Amen. So the rooster crows. But I want you to think the crow of the rooster can also represent the dawn of a new day. My neighbors have a rooster. And this rooster crows really early. I mean, usually when I get up, I, I try to get up around 515 every day. And the rooster is usually already crowing before I even wake up. So I want you to think about this. In his grace, God gives a, a rambling rooster to rouse Peter. But also, when a rooster crows, it signifies the dawn of a new day. So Peter had denied Jesus in the darkness. But the rooster is crowing to represent a new day of light is coming. And there is going to be darkness when we see Jesus crucified. Darkness over the face of the, the Lamb. And we're going to see darkness happen. But then on Sunday we get to celebrate. Out of darkness the light emerged. And I just want to encourage you. Some of you may be in darkness right now. And Good Friday is a time to remember darkness is upon us. But realize that we serve the God of resurrection. Good Friday turns into a Sabbath on Saturday. See, I, I used to think of Saturday as just a sad Saturday, and it is. But think about from the Jewish perspective, Saturday was when the Sabbath was, right? So Jesus, after he said, it is finished, all of a sudden he rests in the tomb because his work was completed. So I want to go back to Peter and ask a question I've never really thought about, but was Peter at the cross? We know that there are certain women at the cross. And I, I, want to, I want to read the scripture. So they begin to nail Jesus to the cross. And I want you to hear the sounds of the hammer. They begin to nail Jesus to the cross. They nail him to the cross. And it says it was about the sixth hour. There was darkness over the face of the earth until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened. The bell, the temple was torn into two. And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And all of a sudden, Jesus died. Where is Peter? I don't, I don't see him in the scripture. We, we don't know if Peter's there. It could be the Bible says that there was a crowd of onlookers looking on. Peter could have been there. If he was there, it's because he was at such at a distance. He was part of the crowd. But you know, as you think about Good Friday and you think about Peter, we see John at the cross. We see the mother of Jesus at the cross. We see these different women at the cross. But where's Peter? Remember, Peter was following Jesus at a distance. But, you know, Good Friday would not be good if there wasn't some hope. So this wasn't the end of the story for Peter. After Jesus resurrects on Easter Sunday, he makes this statement, tell my disciples and Peter. Tell Peter. Why did he say tell Peter? 
because he knew that Peter was falling from a distance. And then you fast forward to the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls. And who steps forward out of that crowd of 120 in the upper room to preach? Peter. The first message on the day of Pentecost. So all of a sudden, Peter, who was at a distance so much that we're not sure whether he was at the cross or not. All of a sudden, Peter is now preaching the cross and he gives a message on the day of Pentecost that's so moving through the Holy Spirit that 3000 people get saved that day. Peter, he's no longer at a distance. Fast forward to the end of his life when Peter is captured and according to church history, he's going to be crucified. Do you know what he says about the cross? I'm not worthy to die the same way Jesus died. Crucify me upside down. I I just want you to think about that. So Peter followed Jesus from a distance and he completely messed it all up. He denied Jesus. And unlike some churches, when you mess up, you're out, right? Um, Jesus restored Peter. And Jesus didn't say, because you messed up, you can't serve me anymore. He said, no, because you messed up and because you came back, you're going to have a grace story. And you're going to help other people that mess up. And you're going to bring them to the point of the cross. And when you get to the end of your life, you're going to have thousands of people that you led to me, not because you were perfect, but because Jesus is the only one that was perfect. If God could only use you if you're perfect, then that would disqualify all of us. But the message of the cross is God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us so that through him we might become the righteousness of Christ in him. So I want Peter's message to give you hope. Some of you are following Jesus at a distance. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Some of you are fired up. And this message is like more of an encouragement to you that you're where you need to be. And let it be not the end of the story, but the beginning of a new chapter that because of Good Friday, you have a message to share. So in your seats, I want you to notice there's an index card. Amy, if you'll hand me one of these, I'm going to show everybody I forgot to bring one up here. If you go ahead and take out this index card. We're going to do something a little different today. This is in preparation for the Lord's Supper. And Kevin is going to share about the Lord's Supper in a little bit. But one of the things about the Lord's Supper is you don't want to take it if you're not right with God. You don't want to take it if you're following Jesus from a distance. So we're going to have this time now. The worship team is going to sing. And we're going to write down if there's a sin issue... I want you to write it down. You don't put your name on it. Jesus already knows your name. If there's a struggle, it doesn't have to be a sin. If there's a struggle, if there's something that's stressing you out, how many of you know stress can sometimes keep you from being close to God? I mean, right? It doesn't have to be a sin issue. But I want you to write it down. And I want you to come and nail it to the cross. So take it just a moment before the musicians sing. and Write down what that is. Write down what that is.
And before they sing, I would just want everyone, if you've finished writing it down, just go ahead and close your eyes for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this first part, but go ahead and tell Jesus what's on the card. Tell him what's on the card. If it's a sin thing, say something like, Jesus, forgive me for, and whatever you wrote on the card. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just, and he will purify you from all unrighteousness. As the believers pray that, there may be one here today that you consider yourself a spiritual seeker. Some of you may consider yourself agnostic or even atheist. And somehow, by the mercy of God, something touched your heart today. And I can tell you what that something is. It's a someone. It's the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior today, then Good Friday is the day... The best day is today to say, Jesus, I never realized that you were real. But I I sense something through the word and I I felt something. That's the Holy Spirit. And I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you, no one looking around. I just want you to slip up your hand. Slip it up. Timothy, I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you today, I want you to say this prayer of faith right where you're at. No one's looking around. But to say this prayer, say, Jesus, I thank you for what you did that Good Friday. I believe the good news that you did die for my sins, but also believe that you didn't stay dead. You rose that third day. So, Jesus, I'm placing my faith in you entirely. I ask for your forgiveness of my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need you to be my savior. So, Jesus, I make this decision to follow you. For the rest of my life. If you prayed that prayer, raise your hand. Anyone at all, just raise your hand. See that hand. Anyone else? It's a good Friday when people accept Christ. Amen. Anyone else? Pray that prayer. All right, at this time, I want to ask everyone to stand. And as they sing, I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to nail what I wrote on the cross. And as you feel led, you come and join me. Come on down.